0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. So we're going to talk about, or the title of the message today is, Ones Who Love Is Appearing. So we'll go ahead and read this verse, uh, 2 Timothy 4. They're a little bit down under point A. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous du- Judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved His appearing. So it's that that phrase right there, "love His appearing," that I want to focus on. So we're going to talk a whole bunch about that. What in the world does this mean? Why do I care? Why should we care about this? How do we grow in loving His appearing? Um, and we're even going to do a fun little exercise at the end. Don't worry, I won't make you guys do anything. You know you, that's uncomfortable for you, um, but it's going to be fun. So, but before all that, I want to take us back a little time travel to the wonderful year of 1995. Some of you were not even alive during that time. Yes. Okay. So, 1995, in up in Wisconsin, five-year-old Luke Fredenberg. So it's it's December. It's Christmas season. I'm I'm again. I'm five years old. I got this white blonde hair, this bowl cut. I mean, it's. I was a pretty cute kid. Um, five years old. So my my parents had, they they went all out for for Christmas. Um, we had one of those you know, advent calendars where you it's got the days of Christmas and it's December first and then every every day I think you would peel it off and you get this little ornament that we would go and put on the tree. And so there's this excitement in the air. I'm I'm like thinking about Christmas all the time. In Wisconsin we actually have this, you know, mystery that here in Texas we're not sure if it's even true. We have these things called white Christmases that are actually white. There's this snow that falls from the sky. And so we got snow, we got Christmas ornaments. I mean, my mom's got this little potpourri thing on the counter that's like all this Christmas smell. It's like, it is Christmas to the max in our house. And so, um, you know, the December 25th is creeping up and every day this excitement, this anticipation is growing in, in me um, I can't stop talking about it, and then it's, it's uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve, and I'm trying to go to bed, and um, my parents have this, this tradition they like to do where they take our stockings. Um, after we already go to sleep, they take our stockings, stuff it with little goodies, and then put it on our bed. So like we go to bed, I go to bed, nothing's there, and I wake up and there's like goodies right there. So it's like every little kid's dream. So again so I'm, I'm trying to go to bed and I'm thinking Christmas Eve I'm just like setting my heart on uh, the next day and I, I can't my mind is racing my heart is pounding my head's on the pillow but um, I'm like all consumed with this this passion for Christmas and all that that entails and obviously that's not the fullness of what we what it means to love Jesus is appearing but but just let your mind go there. like You can, you all know the, the feeling of a little kid who has that giddiness and that excitement that it's a real day Christmas coming. And so that, that's a little bit. That feeling is a little bit about what it means to love his appearing. That is, it's actually a day that's real enough to us that we feel things, that we feel excitement and stuff. Okay, so... Yeah, so number one, I have three takeaways, kind of what I'm aiming for um, tonight, uh, and then we'll kind of break that apart in these different uh, sections of the notes. So the first one is that it, the, the day of Jesus' appearing would be a real enough day, again, that we look forward to it, that it's actually not just a theology, but we have, we can close our eyes and we can feel things and we have emotions and we have uh, real yearnings in our heart for that real day. Number two, it would be a day that's real enough to us that it would actually strengthen us during really, really tough times. And we'll develop that a little later. Number three, that it would be a day that's real enough to us that it actually empowers us to, like, live with urgency. I mean, if, we, if yeah, that empowers us to live with urgency. Okay, so, yeah, I just want, I want to go for the hearts. Like, I'm grateful for theology, and I just, like, I'm hoping that some of us, and myself included, that we get our hearts stirred more to, like, to work towards being ones who love is appearing. So, point A there, the crux of the phrase. So, this is, I thought this was fascinating. I was just starting off, you know, on uh, Bible Gateway, looking at some of the different translations of this phrase and I found some cool things. So the phrase, love his appearing, um, the NIV calls it longed for his appearing. The NLT says eagerly look forward to his appearing. Berean Bi- Study Bible, I uh, didn't even know that was a Bible, but it is. Berean Study Bible calls it, translates it, crave his appearing. So like you are doing GBF fast and you're craving that Snickers bar. Like they use that same word for like Jesus is appearing. That's crazy. Um, NET Bible is probably my favorite. I think it really just captures the heart of this phrase. Uh, they translate it, set, uh, one who sets their affections on his appearing. And then finally, Blue, Let- Blue Letter Bible translates it literally. One of the meanings is welcoming with desire. So welcoming Jesus back with a desire. Okay, so... That's kind of just gives you the uh, this, this this is an emotionally charged phrase loving his appearing is not again not just a theology that Paul in 2 Timothy was trying to lay out he was like there's some there's some some power packed things in this this phrase it's a really deep uh, phrase so the next point um, it's just a really trite point maybe, but uh, the phrase is loving his appearing, so who's him well that's that's Jesus. It's a real man. So again, this is not a theological phrase. It's about a man, Jesus, coming back. Also, when the the Bible talks about uh, his appearing, it talks. It, it refers to it in two different two different ways. So the the first way is it's a literal. Um, when Jesus splits the sky, he comes back like a literal in a moment thing that happens, and then it also talks about. As Caitlin um, said in that resource, um, his appearing is really all about, okay, he's coming, or he comes in the sky, and then what happens next? So the Bible kind of gives that, both the broad um, season of Jesus' appearing, and then the actual literal moment of his appearing. So just helpful stuff there as we're, we're getting started. Um, so when I say stuff later, you can be tracking a little bit. Okay, we'll turn your page. We'll go to Roman numeral 2. So what does it mean to love his appearing? And these are just Luke's thoughts. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. But this is, uh, like, what it means to love his appearing. I'm thinking, like, someone who, if there was a way to be a, have this, this revelation, like, 100% in our hearts, like, what kind of things would come out of this person? How, how would they be living their lives? What kind of things would they be doing? and so that's that 's kind of where we 're coming at here uh, so the first part, our life comes when he comes, so being one who loves his appearing is one who lives like Abraham he God called him, he was wandering around and he was looking forward to this this day when he inherited this this city whose builder and maker was God he he was living unsatisfied with his current life he had his his eyes, his gaze set on this, this future day when he would be with the Lord. And this is the, this is the heart of, of this phrase, loving his appearing. It's one who looks forward to, looks, assesses our life now and actually says this, like I'm grateful for this life, but this is not my life. This is not the extent of where I'm going to spend all of my emotions and pour into this. Like I, my life is yet to come my life is when Jesus comes. That's the life that's truly life. Uh, Colossians 3 says it there, super clear. It says, set your mind on things above, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And then he's like, in case you missed that, I'm just going to say it again. So when Christ, who is your life, pay attention, when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So this is, this is just Paul saying really clear, our life is when Jesus comes. The fullness of who we are as humans, our experience, our heart, everything is really about that future day when he returns for us. Loving his appearing also, um, someone who is, is, again, 100%, this revelation is in our hearts, living out. That's, they're going to be a person who lives differently uh, in light of Jesus' soon appearing, so the, when when this revelation like takes hold of our hearts, um, it like changes every everything about our lives. If we have that realization that our true life is really coming when Jesus comes, so this this is a, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Preachers say that a lot. I think it's funny, but this is literally one of my favorite, for sure, top uh, 35. So Titus 2. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce or stop doing these negative things, ungodliness, worldly passions, and to do these positive things, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Why? Because this, or godly lives in this present age, why? Because we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God. So, The author Titus here is is saying, hey, stop doing all this bad stuff. Start doing all these positive things because we are really waiting for Jesus coming back. He's our blessed hope. He's the one who is our life. Like, this is why we we run after the Lord. We live differently. It's because he's coming. Okay? So there's definitely a measure of sobriety, a measure of urgency. I mean, the message that we share all the time here, um, urgency, he's really coming. Being one who loves his appearing is also embracing this this ache of his absence, and you know the word. If you have a stomach ache, that's not a happy word. Like that's that's painful. If you have a shoulder that aches because you were doing a hundred pull-ups and you you knocked your shoulder out, um, that's not a pleasant feeling. Ache is not a nice word. But this, like we actually have, uh, one who loves his appearing is one who has this this inner ache. The, with the fact that, like, Jesus, who, like, died for us, who's our Savior, like, he's not with us. Like, we're reading the Gospels, and we're like, these guys got to be with Jesus. Like, I know you're not supposed to be jealous, but I'm kind of jealous that, like, they got to do life with Jesus. And this one here, this is like, we can't, like, you know, furrow our brow really good and grit our teeth and say, I'm gonna ache for Jesus. Like, this is, uh, this is one that is 100% totally of the holy spirit. He he as we fellowship with him as we read his word, we live these lives of prayer, he he grows this this ache more and more. And I mean I'm right there with you guys. I wish that I, you know, woke up every day and I ached for Jesus and that's that's not true. Like often I find my my heart just like I believe in he's coming back, but I don't really ache for him. So I, I need breakthrough, too. Um, I have experienced this a number of times. Um, some of the most, most precious moments to me, and again, it's nothing that I did or how cool I am, but just being in, being in a prayer meeting and worship leading and singing about it, and the Holy Spirit just grabs my heart, and I really, I just feel that ache of, like, I miss Jesus. I wish that my best friend that I'm wasting my life for. I I wish that he was here and I could hug him and I could talk to him and I could actually like see what he looks like. And so again, that's like, I don't think that's our everyday experience, but when the Lord touches, touches, touches our hearts with that, it is like exceedingly precious. And it's like one of those moments that when it's happening, I wish I could just like, you know, put it in a little, I wish I could just like frame it on the wall or like bottle up that emotion and just like live the rest of my life that way um that would be great but we we can as we go with the lord and even as he, he as his return comes uh comes quickly uh, or draws near this ache is going to be growing and growing more in his people so that's it's the pain of his absence wishing that Jesus was here with us so this is revelation 22:17 this is the this you know, climactic passage in Revelation, it's the spirit and the bride joining together saying, Come, Lord Jesus, we ache for you, we miss you, we long for you. Next, the ache of his imperfection. So this one is is uh, really relevant during our times as we're seeing the news explode with all sorts of unrest on every level. So the ache of imperfection, being one who loves his appearing, is being prayerful, being watchful, seeing the news, seeing injustices, seeing unrest, and just realizing that in man's strength, even with our best ideas, millions and millions and millions of dollars, every tool at our fingertips, like we can, we cannot even come close to dealing with any uh, anything like the the, the wounds and the, the division and things that people pains that people have in their lives, like nothing that man can do can touch this. There is so much injustice out there in the world, like more than we could ever know or imagine, and it's, it's completely overwhelming. And so the ache of imperfection is, is seeing that and having our hearts just say, Jesus, like us humans, we, we don't have the answers. We do not have the solutions. This whole everything... It will not be figured out until you come back as the righteous judge, as the one who actually has the wisdom and the power and the ability to make not just this one injustice that I'm seeing in front of you, but every single injustice to repay it fully, completely, perfectly. Only Jesus can do that. And so loving is appearing is is just Longing for him to come and make wrong things right. Rise for the, the cause of the needy, the oppressed, the broken. Because I feel so helpless in, in this whole thing. And trying to, trying to fix things. Like we, we can't. Only Jesus can. But we still got to try. <laughs> we got to get his heart. Okay, the next one. Maranatha expectation. And you just say, what is that word he just said? Mara, Mara what? What? Maranatha. That may be a new word for some of you. This is a, a Aramaic word. Um, that's one of the languages that they spoke in the New Testament, uh, the Jews of that day. This is an Aramaic word that was sewed very, very deep into the fabric of the early church. Uh, it's, it's the The meaning of it is, our Lord has come. Our Lord is coming. Lord, come. You can actually Pronounced it different ways and it means the different things. But so it means our Lord is coming. Our Lord come. And similar, you probably have, you know, watched a Jesus film or maybe you've been to Israel. And the the, the Jews, a lot of times they go around and like they're they're greeting and they're partying and they say shalom to people. Like, shalom, how are you, brother? Like that's uh, part of their just like everyday life. Well, the, the early church... Um, uh, even as they grew more and more gentile and even uh, a lot of the early uh, messianic uh, Jewish believers began switching and using this this phrase maranatha so they're they're going on the streets and they're walking by someone that they know as a brother and they're saying maranatha and it is this this constant reminder even in their their greetings I, I just i love their intentionality that even in their greetings every exchange they have with someone they're they're reminding their hearts that Maranatha, our Lord is coming. Don't forget, don't forget, our Lord is coming. Maranatha, and then when they go home after a meal, Maranatha, don't forget, our Lord is coming. So it was this, this strengthening reminder. I mean, the, the early church, as you guys are aware of, they, they experienced a lot of persecution. They, they've lived in some hard times, and this was a, a reminder to them. And it was also an exhortation, like, in light of him, his coming, like Maranatha, like, Live accordingly. Now is not the time to be doing foolish things. Like Live like he's coming. So I, I just love that word. I love that word. Maranatha. Point F, the source of our strength and hope in trials. Let's read Romans 2, uh, 2, to, 2 through 5. It says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that our suffering, when we stay in suffering long enough with the right heart, when we're fighting for Jesus, it produces endurance. And through that endurance and the wrestle of that fight, it produces character in us. And that character, part of that character being exposed and what comes from that character is this ho- this profound hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back. It's, it's this... It's this Looking uh, from our lives and what we're experiencing, the suffering around us, the trials. Instead of looking down at that, we're lifting our eyes to our blessed hope. We're looking for to Jesus. So that that that, that uh, verse just encapsulates that. So um, this verse ties and other verses. Um, this whole thing of of and this is painful and difficult. It. Uh, The Bible ties this revelation of being one who loves Jesus' appearing, it ties it directly to suffering. So the more a church that is experiencing more suffering, like this revelation is going to be alive and well in their hearts. Um, You read some stuff about um, the Church of Iran, the fastest growing church in the world, and they live and breathe this reality that Jesus is coming back soon So and so, it's why I said it's painful is because here in the West, like, we, we, don't, we don't experience a lot of trials and suffering. And part of me is, like, obviously grateful, but I'm like, Lord, I see this, the Church of Iran, and they're, like, on fire with this revelation. And I'm here in a prayer room, Lord, through suffering, let me cling to your hope of your coming. And I'm like, I just I can't feel that at all. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But just know that it's going to get a lot worse for all of the world, including America. And we are going to be a church that this revelation, this Maranatha, our Lord is coming, it's not going to be some obscure reality that a little house of prayer in Pantigo talks about. This is going to be like the, the, one of the core uh, vital hopes of the church of the earth. So before this is all over, we're going to be a church that burns with this. Uh, Hebrews 2, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder And perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So, even the picture is here Jesus enduring trial of the cross because he was looking for what the cross was going to purchase, looking for what was coming next. And similarly, we we looked forward to Jesus' appearing, and that is how we are strengthened to endure sufferings and trials. All right, let's keep on moving. So, G, the the hope, the witness of the end. uh, Revelation uh, 12, 11, we'll read there in a second. Um, Paul, in our our Second Timothy verse, he was using phrases um, like fighting the good fight, finishing the race. And it's a different phrase, but similar language here in Revelation. Um, Talking about the church, it says, They have conquered him, talking about the Antichrist, They have conquered him. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they have, for they loved not their lives even unto death. So this is a, a picture of what I've been saying that this this revelation is going to be in the church. That the end time church is one who clings fast to Jesus, is coming even unto death. They conquer. They stand firm with this revelation, even in the, the most difficult times. Okay, so great stuff. That's awesome. I hope you guys are getting a little bit of a, a picture of what does it mean to love his appearing. Well, how do we grow in loving his appearing? So the, the first thing to note is that this is, this is not our intentional or our, um, this is not our default mindset. We, this, is, this is totally foreign to us, again, especially as Americans who are not experiencing a lot of difficulties yet this is, this is foreign to us. But we, we can work towards being one who loves his appearing. And it, it takes time. It takes intentionality. And it takes it's little baby steps growing um, year after year just as we engage with the Lord. So it's, it's something that he, he does in us. So point A, knowing his story. So uh, knowing every last detail about the end times is great. It's, it's not, like, that's not a requirement. Like, we do that because we want to be prepared. We want to love Jesus. But, um, like, it's not so important to get, like, every single detail right. What is important for this, this conversation is that we have a general broad understanding of the end time, like, timeline and what's going on and uh, just a general 10,000-foot view. If we're going to, like, feel emotions and love Jesus' is appearing, like, we ought to know a little bit about uh, like, what happens, what's going on. So that's the point I'm making there. Point B, and this is what we're going to do at the end for a few minutes, engaging through meditation of Scripture and visualizing Scripture, uh, just two differentiations that I made there. I'll explain that later. Me- going, taking time to go slow and not speed read the Bible all the time, but like go slow and read one verse for two hours and just milk that verse, squeeze every last detail out. Like that is an ascent, That is not. That is not optional. That is like not the only thing we do. But in order to really like be one who loves his appearing, like we have to go slow, meditate on scripture. We gotta allow the Holy Spirit time to get in us. We need to stare there with stare at our, a verse and realize I know nothing about this verse. And we need to stay there in our brokenness and our, our brokenness and stay there long enough that the Lord can actually give us revelation. So this is absolute essential. We need to meditate on the scripture. We need to visualize, put ourselves in the scripture. Um, I like to think of the picture of meditating as like you're digging for treasure. So you're grabbing your shovel and you're digging for treasure. Like it, it takes a lot of digging and a lot of energy and Sweat, but once we once you find that treasure, like it's like so worth it, and that's a, a good picture of meditation. A lot of times we're doing it and we're thinking this is not fruitful, but then when we get something from the Lord, it's like oh my gosh, this is real. So meditation is good. That's the takeaway. Matthew six, I love this verse. It says, "For where your treasure is, there your heart is also." And I like to do a little flip flop on this verse. So flip the two statements. So it would read something like this Whatever you set your heart on, you will soon grow to treasure. So, whatever you set your heart on, I'm thinking specifically meditation. Whatever I set my heart on, I'm going to grow to treasure. Psalm 145, it's just an exhortation here. It says, On your glorious splendor of your majesty, that's who Jesus is, on your wondrous works, that's what he does. Psalm says, I will meditate. So there it is, crystal clear. Okay, next point, the, uh, the the fiery heart, what did I call it? The fiery heart of the bridegroom fast. So we do this thing, this bridegroom fast, every every month, and it's not wrong to fast for, you can fast for whatever you want, but when we're talking specifically about this bridegroom fast, the, the, really, the, the heart of the matter is really this verse, Matthew 9. It, it basically says, as long as Jesus is with them, they didn't fast, but when Jesus was gone, they started fasting, so this, this bridegroom fast is totally contingent on Jesus being with us, so when we engage, I want to encourage you, when we engage in our monthly GBF, like, yes, we're asking God, like, us to grow in love for God, like, touch me, but ultimately, like, from the Bible, it's like, this fast is long, like, it's this whole thing, like, help me to long for your appearing because you 're not here, and that 's what this verse says when you 're when you're gone i 'll f- fast fasting why because I, like I ache for you, Lord, help me to ache like that 's the crux of this this fast, and I want to invite you in that when we do that. Just be thinking with that mindset be, be using that as time that you dialogue with the Lord about loving his appearing. so how we grow to love his appearing it's it 's a constant fight. <laughs> It, it's so easy in our, in our lives to just get overwhelmed by everything that we got to do. So it's it's a constant fight. Our, our heart, our, our is our hearts are very good at drifting and growing dull. That's our our propensity, our natural inclination. Um, so it's a constant fight, and uh, it's a little terrifying that this verse, Second Timothy four, uh, right after the verse that we're talking about, loving is appearing. Um, Paul is talking about this guy named Demas, Damis, however you pronounce that. This guy was with him, and he, he stopped fighting, and he fell in love with this present world, and it says that he, he deserted Paul. He left him. So he stopped fighting, and he, like, left his calling. So just, that is scary to me. So just an exhortation here is just keep fighting. And how we do that, it's, I think of it as, when I think of fighting for, the revelation that Jesus is coming that looks that can look a lot of ways what I'm mostly thinking is a real real simple moments I like to do it I'm here in the, the prayer room a lot of mornings first thing and I like to just close my eyes and just for a minute a minute everyone's got a minute I just remind my heart like you're a real man Jesus you're coming soon like I believe in the theology of that but that's actually like a real thing like you're coming soon help. Help this revelation grow in me. Amen. Doing that every single day, just I like, to, I like to call it like aligning our hearts every day with that simple thing. It's just that's primarily what I mean when I think of fighting, because I, I know me and I know I forget, I get too busy. So just taking the time to dial down and just a one minute conversation about Jesus coming, I found that to be personally my, uh, the thing I've found the most fruit in, in trying to make this revelation grow. Okay, so next point, why do we look forward to his return? So you're like, okay, Luke, you keep mentioning his appearing. Well, what's the big deal? Why should I care? Well, you should care. We should care because this is the most climactic day in human history. The whole point of why Jesus died on a cross for us, it's for his appearing and the things that follow after that. This is the most epic day that we have ever experienced since Genesis 1 and even before that. Um, so, like, why we should look forward to it because it, this is, like, this is the best. And, and so the uh, why we look forward to his day, there's, a, again, not an exhaustive list, but just several things of what I was thinking, why am I looking forward to it? Well, point A, it's all true. So we are people that live by faith I don't know about you, but I don't regularly with my eyes, like, see Jesus. That's not a common experience of mine. Like, I'm looking at James. I don't see the Lord like that. So I'm, you know, I've, I have encounters. I have things that that make me, like, I know Jesus is real, but I, I've never, like, seen him with my eyes. Like, so there's, there's part, like, I believe in him, of course, but it's, like, you, you get what I'm saying. It's, like, okay. So when we see him on that day of his appearing, like, I'm just imagining like our hearts, and again, we just came through the great tribulation, like some stuff went down. Life got a little hard there for a minute. So when we like see him in the sky, like coming for us, I just imagine like our hearts just like exploding, like, oh my gosh, like he's real. (laughs) Like all this stuff I was believing and came out, like it's real, it's all true, I'm not crazy. All my friends thought so, and yeah, take that, he's real. I mean, like, this is, this is, this is like epic. So I'm looking forward to that day of like, just like a little kid in a candy store. Like, I'm like, oh, like, oh my gosh, like, I know that Bible verse and it's like, a, like, you're coming from the sky in the sky and like, that makes sense now. Like, this is, this is gonna be so cool. So it's, it's our, it's a people who live by faith, like, are having our faith actually collide with Jesus in the flesh coming back. And that's something that I look forward to and we all should. Next point, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. So again, we gone through, just went through the great tribulation. So when we see him, um, like every believer alive is going to experience a lot of really good things, glory, testimonies, victories, and a lot of suffering, intense trials, and profound loss. Every believer, before this is all over, we are all one hundred percent going to experience. Great suffering, intense trials, and profound loss. So when we see Jesus, like, again, we're living by faith. I think he's coming. So I hope he's coming. So when we see him, it, like, everything is is going to be worth it. Um, Jesus, in Matthew 24, other places, he gives, he talks about his coming, the season of his coming, as um, he compares it, I think it's a little interesting, but he compares it to a woman in labor and the birth pains. And John 16, 21, I don't have any new notes there, but uh, John 16:21, 21, um, talking about Jesus coming, he, he says, or talking about a woman who's going through uh, birth pains, it says the, the mom who gives birth, like she, once the baby comes, she forgets all of the pain, the suffering of the birth pains because of the joy of the baby. John 16, 21, and this is, this is the, the, it's all worth it. When Jesus comes back, we forget all of the, like, we're, we're going to be, like, excited. Like, we're, it's going to be so worth it to us in that day. Okay, so next, and this is probably my favorite one, uh, we will be made like him. So, it's a interesting thought. The more you think about it, the more it, it really makes you uh, reconsider everything. But you and I have never ever, ever experienced true life. What do you mean by that? Well, Jesus, uh, in the beginning, God made Adam and Eve, they had no sin. I would call that true life, like the original, full intent of God for man. And then they, you know, the, the fall and all that stuff, we know that story. So every human being after that had sin, the stain of sin, the mar of sin, influence every single area of our lives everything i got a peach tree and there's bugs that eat that thing and i'm like that is the fall i hate that i hate that i can't just eat a peach because there's locusts and eat my peaches so every area of our lives and uh creation has experienced uh has repercussions because of sin so we have never ever experienced true life before we think we know what life is but we we have no it's like we have no idea and so, when when we come, First Corinthians 15 says, "In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, last trumpet. At the last trumpet, for the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will ra- be raised imperishable, and we will be changed." That's talking about getting a resurrected body. For this perishable body will put on the imperishable, and this mortal body will put on immortality. So it's that it's that verse, um, Colossians 3, when. When Jesus appears, we will be made like him and we will appear with him in glory. So when he comes, we will finally experience and know what true life is. We will know, like, how awesome is it going to be to be able to, like, see and love God and love people without any sin, without any weakness, without being tired, without being prideful and selfish and arrogant. We're going to finally experience true life. So I'm looking forward. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Like I love you, Lord, but I'm looking forward to that day when I can fully like be with you and be yours and not have to worry about this whole sin thing, which is really a big problem. So that's great. So what we look forward to is appearing because we are made like him. Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. Well, that title, uh, firstborn, that implies that there's others. So he's the firstborn of many brothers. We will be made like him. Next part. We look forward to it because we take our place beside him in partnership. So when he comes, it's it's a finish line of sorts. When we are we see him in the sky, we're made like him. That whole thing I just talked about, no sin, that's a finish line of sorts, but it's also a beginning because that's when he, he says, Luke, I got some stuff in my heart that I need help accomplished. Will you come with me? Will you do this? So that's when we enter into the most like epic story ever. We're resurrected, no sin. I mean, this story that happens after that, go listen to that teaching that Caitlin told you about. This story after that, has got adventure, it's got drama, it's got love, it's got justice. Like it's better than any movie that we've ever seen. And we're like living it and it's real. It's not Hollywood's creation. It's us living in that day. So we're going to take our place in partnership with Jesus. Psalm 110 Ruling in the midst of your enemies, it says, your people, this is a, the Father actually talking to Jesus, says your people will offer themselves freely, fully to you on the day of your power in holy garments. So they'll be part, we'll be partnering with the Lord. All right, let's jump over to the next page. Okay, so... Loving his appearing, that's what we're talking about. So why does Jesus look forward to his appearing? That's what we're going to talk about now. So as, as ones who love, this, this one is really important and really dear to my heart, and this is, this is honestly probably the area when I think about loving his appearing that I want to grow in most. Um, so this is us as ones who love Jesus actually realizing the things. When Jesus appears in the sky, the things that he gets when he appears, and it's us loving Jesus, like loving that he he finally gets all the things that he's been promised and been yearning for and been waiting for. So it's just like, does that make sense? It's, it's loving the things that Jesus will be given at his appearing, and and I think this is even, um, I think this is really, if we get to the center of it, this is really what this, the center of loving is appearing, is getting all caught up in, Yes, it's like I'll be made new, no sin, get to see you, but that's great. But even more, like, I love your appearing because it's, when you, it's the day when you, Jesus, get all that you are worthy of. So, point A. <laughs> this verse is crazy. Isaiah 42. Um, this is Jesus talking. He gets real intense. He's like He says, for a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained restrain myself. So that's, that's right now, Jesus in heaven. He's, he's keeping his peace. He's not acting. He's, he's restraining himself. He's got lots of stuff he would love to do, but he's, he's not doing that right now. Um, and the, the next half of the verse is when the father gives him the thumbs up and he goes out. And he, he says, I will cry like a woman in labor. I will gasp in pants. So he's like, he just like lets out this, you know, again, thousands of years. he's been had these bottled up emotion and passion, and the father finally gives him the green light, and he he like lets out a shriek and shout, and he gets excited about that. So the point is now, Jesus, right now, he's, he's still waiting for his day, and these are some of the things that he's waiting for. Uh, point B, revealed as the king in his beauty. So it's a really silly analogy, but imagine the Grand Canyon and all of its glory, if you could put like a sheet over the Grand Canyon or just like hide it. Like what a, what a travesty if the Grand Canyon was like hidden and we couldn't enjoy that. Well, how much more the one who took his finger and carved out the Grand Canyon? Like the God who designed that is in heaven right now and we don't, as believers, we don't even see him in all of his beauty, let alone our lost neighbors. So this is the, the, the day of Jesus' appearing is the, the day when he is, his beauty, his glory is the most clearly seen and revealed, number one. And then his glory, his beauty is the most responded to. So humans actually see him, actually respond to him the most. So Jesus coming back, he, he finally gets, we were singing the, the song, Worthy of It All. So Jesus, when he comes back, he finally gets all. He gets what he is worthy of. He has, he gets the gaze of the nations when he comes back. And I I mean, that, that gets my heart excited, although it's not about me, obviously, like it's, I love that my best friend, my, my God, my treasure, that he gets to be seen as beautiful and glorious. Like, I'm excited for that day. Like, I can't wait for, for me to see him, but then for him to, like, receive that. Like, I'm excited for that. That's the heart of loving is appearing 2 uh, Thessalonians 1, love this verse, says when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at, to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. He comes to be marveled at on that day. Well, Jesus' return is also the day of power and justice. So remember that ache of imperfection I talked about earlier? Well, Jesus coming back, that's the day that Jesus finally, again, he's, he's waiting in heaven right now. He, the Bible says his eyes see everything he knows, every thought and intention of the heart, that no act of injustice goes unnoticed. But he's, he's largely right now, if we could be honest, he's not doing a whole lot about a lot of the injustices right now. We see little glimpses of it, and he moves in scenarios, absolutely. We pray for that to happen more. But as a collect, like globally and percentage-wise, he's not doing a whole lot. And he, but he, he stores up, again, every act of injustice. He stores that up. He does not forget those things. And his appearing is the day, is the season that he finally gets to come, gasping like that woman in labor, roaring like that lion. He finally gets to come and accomplish all of that fire. Um, I love to think of the, the verse that says he's got eyes like fire. I like to think of that because the eyes are the gate of the soul. So I like to to think of that as Jesus is like all of his fire and emotion and the whirlwind inside of his heart is reflected through his eyes. And so Jesus, when he comes back, he finally gets to do all of those incredible things. He gets to actually fight and do stuff for justice, for the cause of righteousness. And that gets real intense, but I, I guarantee you that he is looking forward to that. And I and we can look forward to Jesus getting to do that, getting to have that day to remove all that hinders love. Well, this is the, the so this is the fourth point. It's a pretty big one. Jesus is appearing is when he receives his bride. So Jesus purchased us on the cross, right? Well he, he, he doesn't like fully have his bride yet and he's waiting he's been waiting for that for 2,000 years and that, that's just crazy to me. Jesus doesn't even have his, his bride yet. He's betrothed but he's still awaiting for his, his wedding day. And his appearing is the day that he um, remember again, his appearing is both the literal day, but then the season of and season of his coming and what he does. So when Jesus comes, his appearing is the day that he gets his bride. He gets what's promised to him there in Psalms two. Psalm two. Uh, the Father says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. So Jesus gets his bride from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Oh, and don't forget your people Israel who have, it's been, you know, you read the Old Testament, it's been quite a journey, all those pages. And finally, when Jesus comes, all of Israel, 100% of the Jews alive at that day, they're going to turn to Jesus and take part of that bride. So Jesus gets his bride from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's looking forward to that. I can't wait for Jesus to get his bride, finally. Makes sense to me. And then point E. So he vindicates his name. And this one is, this one gets really intense. So like before this is all over, it actually says that the the whole world is deceived in believing a delusion that the Antichrist is God and that what the Christians are saying about Jesus, like more or less Jesus is the Antichrist, trying to steal all of this... All of this stuff. So the world is completely flipped, completely deceived. And uh, the Bible talks about the, the world in that day will call good, evil, evil good. And so when Jesus comes back, his appearing, it's when he fights for the cause of truth. He is like, the, the Antichrist is the, a wicked man. He is not God. I am God. So Jesus fights for truth. He shows the world. He vindicates his name, who the whole world is mocking and saying terrible blasphemy and horrendous things. He vindicates. He fights for. He proves that he is God, that he is truth. That Yeah, so this, uh, Ezekiel, 60, uh, Ezekiel 36, 23, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and the nations will know that I am the Lord, not the Antichrist. I am the Lord, declares the Lord your God, when through you, speaking of the nation of Israel, when through you I vindicate the holiness, I vindicate my holiness before your eyes. So his salvation and deliverance of Israel, a whole nother topic. Um, through, his, through him dealing with that, he proves himself as faithful. He proves himself as the one who's true. Okay. Well, take us take a deep breath. We made it through a lot of the theolo- theolo- theology. Now we're going to go into the lighter, more practical things. So here we go. Ready to go. So meditating on and visualizing scripture. So God is, a, God is a masterful story writer. And the end times, again, is his climax. It's very colorful. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of, it's just oozing. Every end time passage is oozing with so many riches and so um just so many emotions it's it's overwhelming and again, we grab our shovel and we dig for that through we dig for those those treasures through meditation through visual visualization so we yeah so a lot of i mean end times are in the the future, meaning jesus is appearing is in the future, but we don't have to wait until Jesus splits the sky to like have our hearts love that day. Like we, we can start now through visualization um, meditation. We can start sowing our heart and our emotions into different end time themes, passages, events. So the tool of meditation is great. It's not the focus of what we're going to talk about. But when I, when I think of meditation, I'm thinking of, again, I have a verse before me and I'm going slow. I'm kind of chewing on it. The um, A lot of times the word meditate in scripture, it it literally means like like repeating over and over and over again. And if, you, if you've seen the like the pictures of Jews at the wailing wall, and they're rocking and they're muttering, they're like repeating scripture over and over again a lot of times. So they're meditating. So that's what meditation can look like. So I'm thinking meditation, you're repeating it over and over again, you're asking for revela- revela- revelation, you're jotting down cross-references. references. This is a great tool. I probably do this more than what we're going to focus on. But I think at least of us, most of us have heard of meditation. So the next one is visualization. So this is just a term that I made. I don't. You can call it whatever you want. But what I'm saying, visitation, um, visualization. I'm thinking it's distinct and separate from meditation. So I'm thinking this is like we're visualizing, like we're putting ourselves literally into the story as kind of like a, a first-person camera view. Like, we're in the story, and we're looking around with the camera, and we're, like, assessing and f- trying to feel, like, what's going on? What am I seeing? What am I experiencing? So visualizing, like, this, like, you're, um, I found this, like, so helpful to make, like, make the scenes real to me. Um, like, we read a verse about Jesus coming back in the sky, and if we just read that, it's, like, that's a, a pretty significant lot. There's a lot going on there. So when we like visualize we put ourselves in the story it it, it becomes more real it becomes more alive in our hearts um, so the 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 uh, creative so that's what visualization what I'm getting at um, and this is an on ramp for the Holy Spirit to give visions so um, there's been times where so we'll, we'll be like just me- uh, visualizing and thinking and then all of a sudden sometimes we'll feel the Holy Spirit like just like <clears throat> grab whatever we're focusing on and then he'll like lead us on this like like we're watching a movie leading us on uh, a journey of what's happening so it's an on-ramp for visions point C creative license this is really where the gold of this concept is so if any of you have seen the chosen series and love it it is phenomenal if you haven't seen it go watch it after this just watch the whole eight parts or whatever and just stay up all night It'd be great so the Chosen series, it tells the lens of Jesus through, uh, mostly through the lives of his disciples. And a lot of, a lot of things that, um, like, Scripture doesn't say, like, Scripture doesn't tell us what the disciples' lives look like. And they're, they're using the creative license to make the story come alive and make it real. So creative license is a permission to, um, <clears throat> excuse me a permission to use our imagination um, to like make the verse, the passage come alive. So the the Bible, a lot of times it's like shockingly concise. Like it just drops some phrase and then it like moves on and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you like, what? Can you explain that a little more? Like, so that little more that it doesn't explain, that's what we're creative license is. It's peering into that and like, okay, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm using my imagination. I think it looked like this and this. So it's trying to make the story become more real. Okay, so the process, and Jake, you can come on up, bud. Um, The process, how we do visualization is you just close your eyes, and we'll do this here in a moment, so just pay attention. Close your eyes. You dial down, and we're just we're just trying to whatever passage we're looking at or event. We're trying to just like put ourselves there again. Think first you know, first person camera view. We're trying to put ourselves. So we're paying attention to our senses. Like what what do we see? What do we feel? Like our, what are we hearing? What colors are around us? what What are we What are we um, sensing? Is there a, Is there a smell? Like just like engaging our, our, our senses. So that, that's the problem. And we're just asking the Lord. We're we're talking little, and we're just asking Him, like Lord, show me what this feels like. Like what's like what's sound, like what is good, What do I hear if I'm in this scene? What do I see when I look around? Who what people are around me? What are they doing? So we're we're just asking the Lord questions. Okay, so some ideas of what you can visualize. And this, this is just some that I just threw out off the cuff. You can do anything, but some ideas. You can, wor- you can visualize, so put yourself in the, pit, in the story, worshiping with great joy with a small group of saints during the tribulation when you've all lost so much, but you can't be robbed of your joy. You can visualize being forced to take the mark of the beast, but refusing what did that look like? What did that feel like? You can visualize and picture boldly sharing the gospel when it's illegal. You can visualize meeting Jesus in the sky at the rapture of the saints. That's the one we're going to do. You can visualize seeing Jesus' feet touch the ground for the first time after 2,000 years, and He find his feet touch the ground for the first time. You can visualize Jesus marching into Jerusalem on a white horse, all of Israel welcoming their victorious king. You're right there in that story. You can picture the New Jerusalem for the first time, you're exploring it, you're dipping your feet into the river of life that runs between the streets, you're looking up and you're seeing this towering tree of life. What sounds are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you smelling? You can, you can picture that. You can make that real. You can picture yourself sitting at a massive table eating a epic lavish feast prepared for you at the marriage supper of the lamb. So again the goal of this is just making a bible verse like really real and when we do that when we get when we visualize and the lord touches our hearts when we talk about that to people that verse like we like we impact their hearts because our hearts have been impacted. So I just want you to close your eyes don't fall asleep on me close your eyes we'll spend a few minutes just i'm just going to be talking and trying to paint a picture of kind of what this could look like and again we're we're going to focus on meeting jesus in the sky so we've just you've just gone through the the great tribulation you've seen a lot of really awesome things and you've experienced a lot of trials, but you've stayed faithful to Jesus. You've been counting down the days. You know that it's six days until Jesus comes. Five days, four days. You know that today is the day Jesus is coming. Three and a half years are over. And you look up in the sky and you see Great flash of light. You see the, the, the clouds and the, with lightning running through it, like a powerful storm. You hear a loud trumpet blowing and a shouting of a shouting like the sound of many rushing waters. You can feel it vibrating in your in your very being. The sound. You look up. You see this light. And then as you're marveling at that, your feet start to lift off the ground. And you, you find yourself flying up towards this sight in the sky. Looking down back at the earth, what is happening? You feel the wind against your, your hair, your face. And as you get closer, the, the figures start to come in view, and you see. This massive massive host of angels saints who have been raised before you they're right there with Jesus this man that we have been believing in he's right there and our heart is pounding he's actually real this is Jesus. In a moment we're changed, we get that resurrected bodies and we feel light and at peace like have never felt before we look around We see an army with banners saying king of kings lord of lords we hear the, the sound of saints shouting of music of singing of rejoicing saints and angels joining together. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation, every color, every ethnicity right there with us. And we see Jesus come over to us and he hands us some battle gear. He hands us a sword and he says, will you fight with me in my day of power? I've chosen you. you. Will you fight with me? And we feel the honor of partnering with Jesus and then we look up to our our left and see another saint flying through the sky and they get a resurrected body and they see Jesus for the first time and we're, we're watching that person light up and rejoice person after person we see that, we see them experiencing the same thing that we just experienced and we're celebrating, rejoicing beginning this end time, this this campaign of the Lord down to take over the earth, set up his kingdom. So Father, we love you. I just pray, God, that you would touch our hearts with these end, end time passages, passages like this one we just did that are real things that are going to happen. I pray that you, by the spirit of revelation, would make them real. Real to us. Something that we look forward to. Something that will sustain us when we're having a hard day. Something that we can share with the lost person that will touch their hearts sing about every day in this prayer room. I pray that you would touch our, our emotions, God, that we would have deep feelings and yearnings for the day of your appearing, that it would be our, our treasure, and would be precious to us. That we would be more than a community studying and learning intellectually in the end times, but we would have it burning in our hearts fiery seal on our hearts. And many waters would not be able to quench. So we just thank you. and bless you. In Jesus' name. This concludes this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.